I, I agree. I, I I had that as a tickler for my for my list as well. Uh, <laughs> a French tickler. A French tickler, <laughs> ribbed for my pleasure. Only yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all that matters. This is the Epic New Podcast. Two idiots and a list. Where you're going to get two idiots and a list. And now, coming to you live from Circle Avenue Studios, your hosts, Nick Vasolo and Kirik McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Two Idiots and a List. Nick, did you know that we are on YouTube now? I heard something about that. Yeah, it's very exciting. We're, we're expanding the brand. Very, very exciting. We're going to be dominating YouTube soon. That's right. <laughs> I, I just understand the algorithms better in YouTube. <laughs> well, by suggestion of a listener, we have added our episodes to a YouTube channel. Uh, if you're listening to us on a normal or other platform, uh, there is no difference in that content. You can't see anything. It's just a still image of the of the cover art for that episode. Uh, however, YouTube is much more restrictive of their content, and so far we've had six episodes completely blocked. So if this episode makes it to YouTube, and you're a fan of our show and listening on YouTube, there is a lot more content available on standard podcast outlets. Yeah, the AI bots are pretty good at picking up all that copyright infringement stuff. <laughs> it seems like the machines are winning. That's right. God damn it. Nick, who is on the docket for today? You know, we, we're, we're going to dig into a, a classical American rock musician, rock band. We're going to take a listen to Tom Petty. That's correct. Thomas Earl Petty. Earl? Earl. That's well, he's from Gainesville, Florida. That's fitting. <laughs> Sold over 80 million albums. That's crazy. It's not surprising, though. It's like, that. I didn't, I didn't blanch when I saw that figure. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, Tom Petty's been around for ages, and his music is just super popular. Yes, yes. Very much music for the masses. He is number 91 on Rolling Stone's Greatest Artists of All Time. That seems fitting. Yeah. I mean, I like Tom Petty. I just wish I liked his music more <laughs> than I actually do. So I was going to ask you the question, and we can address the answer later, but my question to you was going to be, did you like Tom Petty before doing this episode? And after researching the episode, did your opinion change at all? No. No, because I knew he had a bigger catalog than what I had ever heard. Right. And there was a reason why I never listened to it. <laughs> I, I, think like, I mean, I just... His mainstream stuff is super basic music, which is... So predictable. It's really... So predictable. I Listen, all love to Tom Petty. I really think that he's a great guy. Like, well, he was a great guy. I agree with I, you there. 
read many interviews with him. Um, he is a champion of his fans. Yes. He is a champion of other musicians. musicians. Yep. There are many stories that we'll get to that like show like what a true mensch he really was. Yeah. You know, and and I'd, I really like it. I think he's a he would be a great guy to hang around with. He's super honest. Yeah. Super opinionated. And I'm okay with that. He's, no, I'm complete agreement. And and when when I told my wife that we were gonna do Tom Petty, she was like, You hate Tom Petty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I told my wife the same thing. She looked at me and she's like, hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, he's okay. I'm like, yeah, I felt the same way. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, it's it's good. It's fine. We're going to have fun with this. We will. We're not shitting on Tom Petty. It's just that his music is super basic, and that's why it's so accessible. Correct. His career spans from, I'm going to give him to about 76. Yeah. To his real height and popularity was 76 to like 92, 94. Yeah. I know that there are other albums after that that are just as tasty as the original stuff. <laughs> but he was in a music industry that was just full of dazzling stars. Yes. And he's just kind of there. And and how he got to the level of popularity that he did, I scratch my head a bit. I think the the fact that it is so easily digestible yeah. is has got to be the answer. I put him in the same boat as John Mellencamp, who yes. I absolutely fucking detest. Wow. That's a big statement. <laughs> I can't stand a good guy too. John Mellencamp. <laughs> Where do you land on the boss? Uh the same way. Yeah. Right? You know, when we talked about the cars, we talked about their desire to move the ball forward with music. Right. Which they did. Oh, yeah. And a lot of the bands that we have discussed, some more than others, but for the most part, those guys took music and advanced it in some way, yeah. shape, or form. Petty, I'm listening to it going, what did you do? Right. What did you do? Exactly. I mean, you got. You got Prince and Madonna getting on the field and just throwing like 80-yard bombs every time they put out an album or a song, and it's like everybody's just like completely wowed by it. And then you have Tom Petty, who basically the Eagles fumbled the ball after the long run, and he picked it up and ran with it. Like his songs are like the Eagles songs; they're really simple. They're really kind of like, eh, no stakes in this game. Right. And you know, I'm just going to sing you a three-minute. That's what I do appreciate about Tom Petty's songs, like three and a half minutes. Yeah, if you've got the attention span of a. <laughs> Of a Spanish peanut, then... <laughs> With the skin on. With the skin on. Then, yeah, Tom Petty is great. And even the Eagles, I agree, there's a simplicity to the Eagles' music. But on top of that simplicity, you've got the vocal characteristics of, uh, you know, the guys that were fronting that band. And I'm blanking on... <laughs> I can picture both of the guys. The Glenn Fry. Glenn Fry and um, whatever. You don't have that. I totally fucking blanked on Right? Who's, who's fucking sings for the Eagles? <laughs> the drummer. Yes. Tom Henley. Henley. Fucking hell. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think getting that's old. Our first 50 year old getting moment. Old. Yes. Between. <laughs> I'm like, I can see his big bulbous hair behind the drum kit. Yeah. I know who he is. Between the last episode and this episode, I have turned 50. Happy so birthday. I thank you. Thank you very much. It was uh, enjoyable. If you listen to Tom Petty, you don't have that same vocal silkiness that you had from Glenn Fry. Yeah, and the the guitar work in in the Eagles is is a higher quality as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. And 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 again, like Tom Petty's band is kind of just a bunch of guys who, you know, he grew up with playing right. in the garage and they kind of hit it and they're like they're not super great musicians, right. but you know, 
They did their thing. They, they did. sold fucking 80 million 80 records. million fucking and albums. I pretty much guarantee you, if you you come across anybody and you're like, How about Tom Petty, what do you think about his music? I like Tom Petty. I like Tom Petty. Except for you, you fucking hate him. <laughs> I, I don't get that. It's like, I like Tom Petty. It's just like, I'm not going out of my way to like dive into some Tom. And I'm not going out of my way to like change the dial when I hear, you know, American Girl. Yeah. And, and hatred is a, is a strong emotion oh, no. for Tom Petty. You hate him. Uh, but I... <laughs> No, I do not reach for him. If I hear it, it's fine. I was in a cover band, uh, the very first cover band I was in that I wasn't in for very long. And they would play Tom Petty because the music was so simple. Right. And and that kind of sums up Petty to me in terms of that music. And he didn't even write the music. Most of this stuff was written by his guitarist named Mike Campbell. Yes. And he's responsible for most of the actual music. Tom Petty was the lyricist. Right. Yeah. And, you know, let's just put it this way. My list of uh, shit that I don't like is a lot longer. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> something it was, I find cool. It was reminiscent of the Hall & Oates episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slowly I, I like, turn. Holy shit, I've got a lot that I could add to this <laughs> list of stuff that I don't like from him. Well, now right, that we... <laughs> fucking around, let's get to Now it. that we have lifted Tom Petty I will, up. I will say this. I will say this. And this is true. And you and I both felt, the, I, I think, the similar emotion. Uh, when we found out, we were together when we found out that Tom Petty passed away. That is correct. It uh, was the day after the Las Vegas um, massacre. And uh, you and I happened to be in Vegas at the same time. And uh, it was like we got the Twitter announcement at the same time. And we both kind of sank back in our chairs and like, oh, man. <laughs> Something else. You really right? don't need this fucking news right now. So I was like bummed that he's not around. He's, I agree. You know, he's there's he's a good dude. Yeah. It's and just that his music is not well, listen, his music is spectacular because he sold so many fucking albums and he's loved by a lot of people. So yes. Yeah. And we'll touch on some yeah. of the things he's done here that have been positive. And there are a, a few. So why don't we kick this off? All right. That brings us to our honorable mentions. And I guess I'll start this time. My honorable mention is Won't Back Down. And I'll keep this world from dragging me down. Gonna stand my ground. And I won't back down. Hey, baby. There ain't no easy way out. Hey, I have a feeling that some of our songs are going to cross, not necessarily <laughs> sniping each other's tops, but we might be sniping each other's more hated ones. <laughs> Won't Back Down, off of the album Full Moon Fever. This album got a lot of airplay uh, back in the day when you know people listened to radio. This seems like a great definition of album-oriented rock, right? It's yeah. under three minutes long. I like the chorus in this. There's something about it that you can't help singing along. And as I was prepping for this episode, I would play the songs and some of them I'd be like, ugh. And this one I found myself singing along to. And I I don't know why that is versus some of the other ones, but I'll give him the honorable mention, if alone for the fact that he got me to sing along with him. Yeah, they they use this song a lot in sporting events during like timeouts and stuff like that when when the home yeah. team is you know down and it's like and it's really just contrived. It is. It's 
it's formulaic. <laughs> Unpredictable is not a good way to describe Tom Petty's music. There's a slide guitar solo in here that's simple but effective that I kind of like. there I mean, I, i'm not keen on the slide guitar but yeah i mean he, he likes he's a southern kid that's right. right he's from the south that's right okay my honorable mention is i think it's off of the uh, full moon fever album and it's uh it's love is a long road No idea why I like this song so much. I think I like the introductory keys and it comes in with the big, big, big drums and the big guitars, and then he just kind of, you know, sings it. It's not a really compelling song to be sung, but like, it's I like it. I can't picture this song now. <laughs> what has happened on some of these episodes, especially Madonna? There was two songs that you called that I just couldn't picture. Like done. And when I got around to dropping the songs, and I'm like, of course that's the song. So I, I'm sure it'll come to me when I hear it, but I'm not picturing it at the moment. Didn't get a lot of radio play. It was dr- really drowned out by, uh, you know, the, the, the top song off that album, uh, Free Fallin'. But, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was good. It's a lot of Jeff Lynne. That, that album was produced by Jeff Lynne. And, and uh, for whatever I might feel, I'd like about ELO, I think that he, Jeff Lynne's got a good ear. I like Jeff Lynne a lot. Yeah. He knows how to produce a, a, produce a record. So. Well, and that kind of tickles back to that Traveling Wilburys project, which was really just obnoxious. Out. Whoever gave Roy Orbison a microphone and said, use this? I have it written right down here. I don't like the Traveling Wilburys, very whiny, <laughs> and I don't like Roy Orbison. <laughs> Period. I'm with you. That's it. And they they pulled a beetle into that. No. Not only a beetle, but Dylan. my favorite beetle. Right. You've got Harrison, Dylan, Lynn, Petty, and fucking Orbison. And fuck. One of their biggest hits was his lead singing. Like, <laughs> awful. On. Awful, awful, awful <laughs> project. And hugely successful. Oh, yeah. Hugely successful. Yeah. No, they, you can hear a lot of Jeff Lynn and stuff. And, and he actually wrote uh, some other things with, with Petty that, that we'll get to. All right, my number five is Breakdown. Something inside you is feeling like I do. We said all there is to say. Baby, breakdown. Go ahead, give it to me. Breakdown, honey, take me through the I like this song. Bluesy groove, a little less twangy than other Tom Petty songs. Uh, It was the first single off their debut album. Uh, I like his edgier sound in the choruses on this tune, and the backing vocals are good. 
The original take was almost eight minutes long, but they whittled that down to two minutes and 43 yeah, seconds. Cut that one down a little bit. <laughs> that's that's a lot of shit lying on the cutting room floor. Um, yeah, I can just imagine it's like an almond jam. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Whipping Post by Tom Petty. I just, I don't understand how you could take that song and turn it into an eight-minute free-for-all. No, it's a good song. I like the chorus on it. I like when he, like, pauses right before the chorus, and then he kind of goes into the breakdown. That's yeah. Cool. I like it. The way he opens it is a little odd. Like, he opens the song with sort of a weird accent. It's all right if you love It's all right if you don't I'm not afraid of it's all right yeah, if you love me. This is this is the thing about Tom Petty that I'm really kind of like just aggravates me. Like he is in that class of singers that just has let's be kind and say a unique voice. Yeah. But he plays around with it like he wants to be a different type of singer and it's like Tom just pick a fucking voice. Right. Just pick a right. voice and just go with it and we'll just learn to live it like Billy Corgan, right? Yeah. It's like you couldn't change his voice. Nope. And it's like Tom Petty really was writing good songs but he really should have, you know, I would have been a better song if, if somebody else was singing it. It's hard to tell. It's such a long catalog. Right. And we're just, our ears are trained to, to listen to Tom Petty and like, be forgiving with his voice. Right, right. Like, but yeah, that that first accent, it's like, <laughs> it's hard to get through. It's all right <laughs> if you don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. What's your number five? Yeah, so my my number five is off of uh, the Damned Torpedoes album in 1979, and it is the song Even the Losers. chorus just speaks to me because, because you know sometimes even the losers get lucky sometimes I, I can identify with that right right you know i like the fact that he's singing from you know that side of things usually rock stars don't kind of take the uh, underdog approach sure. to their songs so they're usually the heroes and i like the fact that he just comes out and says like, hey man sometimes the losers win yeah i like it i yeah. like the message i like the song it's great, a great chorus, too. If you look at this song and the way it sounds and the way it's written, it, it's sort of the boilerplate for his music. I don't want to say that a lot of his stuff sounds like this, but in many ways it does. I, I agree. I, I, I had that as a tickler for my, for my list as well. <laughs> a uh, French tickler. A French tickler. <laughs> ribbed for my pleasure. <laughs> Only yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all that matters. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> All right, my number four is Don't Come Around Here No More. Okay, that's my number one. All right, well, in that case... We'll wait for it. Let's punt this down the list, right. and we'll get back to that. We'll squeeze it. That's right. Uh, so that brings me to my number four? Yes. So my number four is, this is a, a, a seminal song for me in that, like, again, early MTV, this video had heavy, heavy rotation, which is a large part of my list here uh, going forward. But this is the, their very first, I want to say their very first big video, and it was The Waiting.
and I think it's just a pure nostalgia thing for me. Sure. I, I like, what's his name, Mike, the guitarist? The guitarist is Mike Campbell. Yeah, Mike Campbell. Great riff, real easy riff, but like a, a great distinguishable riff. You know, it's just, I, I don't care too much for the breakdown that Tom Petty does, the vocal breakdown. Right. You know, the don't let it get you, babe. I was like, oh man, come on, just get on with it. <laughs> get on with it. <laughs> but it's a great, it, you know, they're, they're really good at like old AOR, like what you said. It's like, don't bore us, get to the chorus, let's go. Yeah. And, and the chorus is really, really good in this. And I just, I, and, and the video is a nothing video. But for me, in my 10 year old or 12 year old brain, just watching it, I'm like, I like this song. And I'm, I'm not so sure, what about the, uh, the lead singer there? What's going on there? I think. <laughs> <laughs> Does it look like a rock star? He wasn't a handsome man. No. It's like, right? You got Rick O'Casey yeah, right. and you got Tom Petty. And I'm like, man, how are you guys going to survive in the world of Duran Duran and Madonna? They did. They did. <laughs> there was always a spot for them. They did. That song, he said uh, later in an interview, that was uh, something that inspired by something that J uh, Janis Joplin said. He's like, I, and she said something like, uh, I love being on stage and everything else is just waiting. So he wrote a song about that. I like that. Yeah. All right. My number three is Jammin' Me. This is my number two, but you can go ahead. We'll, we'll, that's okay. We'll, All right. We'll, we'll rip it off. I will say that Jammin' Me was, was my number one until like I walked in. <laughs> you just switched it? <laughs> I'm like, just, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Off the album, Let Me Up, I've Had Enough. Jammin' Me is kind of a good marriage of his classic sound with a little more modern production. I think the production work here gives him a richer sound than the stuff he did prior to this. The lyrics for this song were co-written with uh, Petty by Bob Dylan. Yeah, that's my, those are my, my, uh, my notes here. Because I, I was figuring I was going to get shit from you for picking Jammin' Me as the number one. And my note is here, fuck you, it was written by Bob Dylan. Don't argue with that. <laughs> You're not going to get any flag from me for picking any of these. Right. Apparently, Petty and Dylan were picking things like out of a newspaper. They were just going through the newspaper and they were writing about media overload and, you know, too much information and whatnot. Now, this was, this was written in 1987. Yeah, it was prescient. Yeah, oh, sure. yeah. Pre-internet and pre-10 million cable channels. Like, if they would have waited 10 years, they, yeah. their minds would have exploded. And it's a less obnoxious version of this song than the We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. <laughs> Yes. You know, because it is a time capsule of, of, of things and, and events. You know, when you, you can get Joe Piscopo into your right. song, you know, uh, and Vanessa Redgrave. Yeah. I like it, but I do like his voice on this song in particular. Yeah, it's, it's a different type of like anger almost. It is. He's got a little edge to it. I think he's got it like he's singing it in a in a octave or tone that hits him kind of in a sweet spot. Mm -hmm. It works. Yeah. Good video, too. It was a video that was made, you know, it's just him in, in kind of like in, uh, intercut with all these, these, uh, you know, these lyrics that he's talking about. And then at one point in the video, he takes like static from the TV and his hands and he whitewashes the whole TV. And he's just, it's, it's to me in 1987, it's like, wow, you can do that? That's it's, really cool. it's a good effect for yeah. that time. A lot of drugs. <laughs> of course. A lot of drugs. 
What's your number three? My number three, going back to Full Moon Fever. This is a seminal song for everybody. Everybody loves this song, I believe. Free Fallen. And I'm a bad boy Cause I don't even miss her I'm a bad boy For breaking her heart It's a simple song. I mean, really simple. Really simple. But if you listen to the production value of it, like there are certain things in the production that make it, you know, anybody can write a simple song based off of two chords. You know, it, it takes the producer to, to actually like heighten it to a level where he's, you know, where Free Fallen just makes a difference in, in the way that he sings the chorus. There is a bass note that keeps on bopping up through the song that kind of lifts the song the whole way through. I love the lyrics, you know, the vampires walking in the valley. I love the video that goes along with it. It's about, you know, you know, it's, he references the valley, so it's obviously California. I really like that song. It's just, uh, you know, it's kind of a California vibe, and I dig it. I dig the chorus. It's cool. Yeah, I think his message in the song is good. My complaint about it is that it drags a bit. Like, the backing vocals just sort of tend to drone. They just keep repeating Free Fallen over and over and over again. But again, going back to the harmony part of that, those those backing lyrics, you can hear the harmonies bouncing up and down. It's not just the backing track to it, but they actually put harmony um, you know, notes to it, which makes it a bit little bit. I'll give you that. Once. Thank you. <laughs> All right, what's your fantasy concert lineup? Who are you going to see Tom Petty with? I wrestled with this. <laughs> it wasn't as clear to me as some other ones. I had one that kind of popped into my head, and that was Bob Seger. Working on mysteries without any clues Working on our night moves Trying to make some front page driving news Working on our night moves In the summertime Fuck no <laughs> You like Bob Seger? <laughs> Hollywood nights. No, I don't. No, no. Well, it's it's in that same line of no, you know your, simple. Are you gonna give your list? I, is Seeger on the list? Seeger is one of them. Yeah, I'm staying home. Seeger's one of them. Go ahead. It feels very much along that oh, same line of simple, you know, predictable. Heartland music, as they call it. Yeah. Uh, it's very much Heartland music. Yeah. And then I also have Willie Nelson. Okay. On the road again, like the band of gypsies, we go down the highway. We're the best of friends, insisting that the world keep turning our way. And our way is on the road again. But not on stage, just in his coach, right? Oh, he's just getting high in the back room. <laughs> he's just going to go visit him. They just put a mic in the back room, yeah. and you just hear him pulling tubes back there. <laughs> he's got a screen over that hole in his guitar. <laughs> That's it? That's it. All right. That's it's a tough lineup. It's not a concert that I'm going to pay top dollar for. I, I'm good with a $10 lawn seat for this show. <laughs> just a box of sparklers and a lawn seat. Right. I'll just sink in the mud. $3 hot dog and... <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully you run into Willie in the bathroom line and he invites you back. Yeah, right. 
All right, so I'm going to knock them all out here. All the American artists who are classical, great songwriters, and, you know, some of them will ride or die for these motherfuckers, right? I got a couple of people in my life that absolutely are stunned when I tell them that I really don't like Bruce Springsteen. I don't. I'm with you there. He, he's, I, I think, highly overrated. He's a mensch. Highly overrated. Great guy. Nice, tight band. Clarence is, is the man. Little Stevie. I get it. All great musicians. Right. Hear Tom Morello talk about how he played with Bruce Springsteen and how he had to memorize 250 fucking songs just Jesus to be on stage Christ. for 40, 40 dates. Ugh. Like, okay, I get it. You're g- not my style. No, I'm not with my you. style. So I'm going to knock him out. He's got a handful of songs that I want to hear. I want to hear him, you know, tell me one of those songs about him. Me and my old man, we didn't get along a lot. Tell me to cut my hair. You know, so I want to hear one of those songs, you know, take me to the river. I've I've heard live recordings of him. I haven't watched, spent a lot of time watching him. Every fucking song he starts with two, three, four. Two, three, four. Yeah. I do want to hear the two, three, four. (laughs) Can't you you clap? Well, that's singular. There's a click track. I don't know. (laughs) Two, three, four. Every single song. Every fucking song. (laughs) Maybe, how about one, two, three? Could you clop your foot like a horse or something for one? You know, so bring on East Street Band, the whole get up. I'll I'll waste an afternoon watching that. And then I'm going to bring on John Mellencamp. Cause a simple man, baby, pays the thrills, the bills, the bills that care. I like Mellencamp. I like his song. Another another good guy, right? These are all good guys, but I'm like... This is another $10 concert for me. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm not paying top notch for it. I'm not going to the Ravinia to watch this bullshit. You know? Well, at, at Ravinia, you can at least bring a bottle of wine and get shit-faced in the grass. <laughs> I might not even make it out of the parking lot. No. Who's on right now? Uh, e. Bruce? I'll catch the last That's one. Right. He just born, born to run at the end. I'm in there, all right? But then Mel- Mellencamp, again, has about a handful of songs, maybe six or seven, that I could... No, I like. I like. I like Pink Houses. I like... Little Diddy. Yeah, I like Jack and Diane. Like, those are, like, a great American songs. I just don't... Like, there are people that ride or die for that dude. But I dig him, man. Like, you know, Farm Aid and all that shit was good. And then Tom Petty's the same, same guy. It's like, same guy, different set. You know, all right, give me six of them and let's, let's. – I'm, I'm going out to the bar. Okay, well, that's going to be an awful set of concerts for both of us. <laughs> a great lineup. And oddly enough, if you added up the amount of albums that those five artists have sold, yeah. it's insane. Yeah, I think if we combine both of our sets together – and then you just add on fucking Steve Miller to come in. <laughs> oh, my God. I put him in the same bucket. Big old jet Talk about stupid, stupid songs. The most mindless lyrics ever. Don't you dare disparage Abracadabra. 
I want to reach out and grab you. Who fucking writes that? Somebody who is on a lot of speed. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Yeah, there's a whole big old snowball of shit of all those bands in the, the early and uh, late 70s, early 80s that you can kind of just like jam all together. And I think we clever them all. <laughs> I think we got them all. Oh, I think so. I don't want to see them all ever again. No, 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 no. But it goes back to your point is like they didn't move music forward. They kind of just sat in it. Yeah. And they they took a bath in the, you know, the soupiness of American music as it was. And they really didn't innovate anything. No, this was kind of the definition of pop music, right? We're going to make something that is offensive to absolutely nobody because there's nothing unique about it. You know, what's funny is in 1977, there was a Rolling Stone article that identified Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers as pop punk. Oh, my God. Right? Like, that's why Rolling Stone is a fucking rag. <laughs> punk must must have had a little different definition back then. Yeah, but it's you're right. It's like rock pop, and it's like it's again, it's it's fine if you're at the bar and like these these are the songs like the, when they're on in the bar or they're on in the background of a party. It's like there's no excitement to it. It's just kind of like droning, like a soundtrack of yeah, like, Bleh. yeah. You know, there's like you know. Give me a cranberries. <laughs> Something. <laughs> Something. Cranberries. <laughs> Interesting choice on that, but sure. I like the cranberries. You, yeah, right? <laughs> you pluck that one out of? There's a lot of shit dancing up in this house. That's a busy place. <laughs> Where the fuck are we? We are on my number two, and my number two is off of Damn the Torpedoes, and it's Refugee. First song off of his first album with the Heartbreakers. I think there's some guts to this song, if you can call any Tom Petty his song as having guts. It has some punch, some grit. You know, everybody's got to fight to be free. Yeah, I have a trouble with the word refugee. Because at the time that he was writing this song, it was 79, like refugees were coming from, you know, third world's nations, developing countries, like, <clears throat> you know, post-Vietnam War, Vietnam, Southeast Asia, the famines in Africa. And that that's how I, like, recognize the refugees. And I'm like, why? And this is back when, when this song was popular. I'm like, why is he singing about refugees, like, in, in like, a poppy tune? Like, right? I, don't, I just, it's, I know I'm confusing you. You just, you like, just, I could you just pulled all that. the air out of my number two. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not, no, 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 no. It's like, never mind. <laughs> No, that's it's a that's a pertinent point. Absolutely, it wasn't like today's definition of refugee is different than it was when he wrote this song. I, I think, think refugee rhymes with free, and I think well, yeah. <laughs> and he had just enough pot in him to go, yeah, let's let's go this route. It's a lot of drug references in his stuff. He died at sixty six, and it was a it was a fentanyl overdose, but fentanyl was like one of eight drugs found in his system. Yeah, 
Apparently, he was having issues with his hip. It was it was hurting him badly, and broken. He had... It was broken. Oh, while he was on tour, and that's why they he um, I I don't know if he got the heroin addiction that time late on in his life. I don't know if he battled heroin addiction throughout his career. I don't know I don't that know. either. Uh, but the, that's when he's like, you know, I need something for this pain to finish out this tour. Yeah, and his wife said uh, he had he had been scheduled for surgery and he put it off because he right. he had a tour coming. And he wanted to play the tour, and he wanted to play the tour for his fans and his band and all that other stuff. And the pain was getting to him, and he, you know, it just it didn't work out. Right. So, well, what's your number two? My number two was Jamming Me. That, I, that's that's the one. I like the uh, the honky tonk piano in Jamming Me too. I do. <laughs> I like that song. <laughs> all right, that brings us to our number ones. My number one, and going to give it a little background story here. When we did our Pearl Jam episode, I called Chloe Dancer Crown of Thorns as my honorable mention, and I did so because Pearl Jam didn't play the song. It was a Mother Love Bone song, and I didn't think it was, it was right to put it higher up, but it would have been much higher up had I not taken that into consideration. That said, my number one is Stop Dragging My Heart Around. I have slammed Tom Petty for the majority of this episode and will likely continue to do so. (laughs) However, I love this song. It's been on my playlist for years. I'm not sure what makes this song so much different than the other ones. Obviously, the fact that it's sung by Stevie Nicks helps, and it helps a lot. Oh, yes. But their harmonies are great. Uh, Their backing vocals are great. The lyrics are good. It's a little less childish than some of his other songs, and maybe that's not a fair term to use. Oh, yeah. It's a Fleetwood Mac song. I mean, if you think think of like the Fleetwood Mac Rumors album, like the breakup songs and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, it fits that vein. Yeah, for sure. And it was released as a Stevie Nicks song, but it was written by Tom Petty and again, the guitarist Mike Campbell from the Heartbreakers. The music was actually recorded by the Heartbreakers. Jimmy Iovine, who was producing for both Stevie Nicks and for Tom Petty, convinced Petty to let Stevie Nicks come in and give the vocals a try. Petty had already recorded the vocals. So what they did was they pulled his vocals out of that mix and let her record over it. Petty was like, you know what? This really works, and it really works for you, so why don't you take it? And Stevie Nicks credits the song with her solo career. It's a great song. It really is, and she's really never sound better on you know the tr- any track around that era. Right, and I really love Stevie Nicks' stuff. I do she's, too. She's great. I, I'm a big fan of hers, and I really like Tom Petty singing in this song. Yeah, when they come in and and start bouncing off of each other, mm-hmm. or he just lays down a like a couple verses or whatever it is, it's really good. Yeah, I, I like it. Like when they when they sing in tandem, you know, you never look me in the eye, and you know, you right. walk around with the weight of the world. It's it's really a great song. It's like, and, and the lyrics are clear enough where you can tell there's there's certain drama in it. Yeah, and there's a certain you know the stakes are raised in this song. Twenty fifth video played on MTV, by the way. Man, look at you knocking out the fucking MTV shit. 
That Iovine is like the Forrest Gump of pop music. He's that yeah. motherfucker's everywhere. Not maybe not quite as common as Nile Rodgers. It's, right. He's right. he's touched quite a bit. They're comparable. I mean, he did Springsteen's Born to Run, and that's what really put him on the map. Interesting thing about Iovine is like, so he's a. I think he's a Brooklyn kid. And he worked at a recording studio um, just in the neighborhood, right? New York City. And uh, he's a 17, 18-year-old kid. And he's like, he's basically the weekend guy that sweeps up the floor and cleans out all the the booths and everything like that. That's all he does. He has no training. Wipes the cocaine off the controls. Exactly. And and uh, he's like um, this, this this one Saturday he had the day off he was going to go to the beach with his friends and his boss calls him and said I can't make it can you go in and clean up the studios for the next week and he's like fucking all right fucking I'll go and so he went and he's sweeping out the studio and some long haired guy with spectacles comes out of one of the recording studios like hey man I need an engineer to put this shit down can you record for me? And he, Ivan's like, well, I don't really, the engineer's not here and I don't really know what the fuck I'm doing. He's like, I'll show you what to do. Just push this button. When I say from the inside there, push that button and do it. And it was fucking John Lennon. Holy shit. Pulling down this this new track, right? From that moment forward, John Lennon would only call on Jimmy Iovine and basically teach him how to be an engineer. Holy shit. Lesson for you folks. The only ability, the only ability that matters is availability. Be fucking on time, right? <laughs> just, that's what I tell my kids, all my students. I'm like, just be there. Like, you never know what the fuck is going to happen. John Lennon could walk out of a booth and say, "Press that button," and now you're a fucking all star. Right. He went on to, to, to do unbelievable things, and uh, there is an HBO documentary with him and Dr. Dre because he paired up with Dr. Dre much later yeah, on. They had and- sold beats. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And like, they're both billionaires, but that four part docuseries uh, from HBO is really not a waste of your time. It's really good. And it goes in a lot of Tom Petty's work and Stevie Nicks's work that he did on this, this track. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. What's your number one? You had already mentioned your number one. I know it, but I'll let you say it again. Right. So my number one is, uh, don't come around here no more after the, uh, on the Southern accents. Don't come around here. This is uh, actually inspired by a Stevie Nicks story. Yes. A great story. The story behind this song is fantastic. So maybe you have more details. All I have is that it was uh, Stevie Nicks and Joe Walsh breaking up. Correct. And Joe Walsh came back around after the party was over. And, of course, he was Joe Walsh. Fucking Joe Walsh. And Stevie Nicks, basically, her parting shot to him was like, and don't come around here no more. Right. Fucking Petty runs right back. It's like, that's a good line. It wasn't Petty that was part of that aspect. It was Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Right. Because he produced this track. Right. Yeah. Dave Stewart was at a party at Stevie Nicks' house. She had just broken up with Joe Walsh from the Eagles. Imagine that relationship. Joe Walsh and Stevie Nicks. Oh, yeah. Right. Truckloads of cocaine. So apparently they were partying and Stewart decided he was going to crash. So he crashed and woke up at some point later to see Stevie Nicks trying on Victorian clothing, which he said was an Alice in Wonderland moment. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. The video. Later in that time that that Stewart was at her house, Joe Walsh came back, and as you said, she grabbed him out and said, don't come around here no more. The uh, video is Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. 
The video is fucking great. It's great. It's great. It's great. I love it. The caterpillar sitting on the giant mushroom playing the sitar towards the beginning of the song with a smoking hookah next to him, that's Dave Stewart. That's Dave Stewart. Right. You'll recognize him as his uh, counterpart, Andy Lennox, in the Eurythmics. Correct. Yeah, I love this this song. The opening notes of the sitar just kind of set the mood for it. It's a cool vibe. And Tom Petty's punctuated lyrics throughout like the, the song and the, the, the narrative that he's kind of laying down, it really is more enjoyable when you see the video with the yes. song. It's not one of those songs like, I'm, I'll listen to it on the radio or on my phone or whatever, but like when you see it on the video together, it's just great. It's, the video really marries it up. And the images are fantastic. The giant cups of tea. Yeah. She turns into a cake, and they start yeah. cutting little pieces out of her and yeah, eating was great. the cake. I mean, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Tom Petty's weirdness really fits this well. Yes, and I think that at that point, like, that was the first video where you actually saw Tom Petty's, like, true kind of weirdo self. And I'm fine with, like, oh, weirdos. Yeah. I, weirdos make the world go round. And, and that video, initially, I'm like... This guy's supposed to be a, like a rock star. Like, like, look at he's like he's up to. Look at his the, the image he's portraying out there. It's like he's having a goof. He's having a goof. But right. it was a really good song to goof. Oh yeah, like it was fantastic. Yeah. I really just love that song. And when I when I was listening for this, I thought, you know, man, I, I remember that video. And then I went back and watched the video, and, and I thought. It's like they wrote the song for the video, yeah, not right. the video for the song. Yeah. And then I researched the song, and it turns out that they were kind of one and the same. The kernel of idea was already there. Yeah, it was already it's there. Like, yeah, really neat. The backing vocals are really key on this song too, and they punctuate. Yeah. You know, the haze. It's like it's, it's cool, cool sounding song. And you know, it's Dave Stewart's credit. He produced the uh, he produced the track, and, and I'm sure he's he's because this sounds different than any other Tom Petty song. Yes. And I think that he was just like, hey, let me Eurythmics uh, you up a little bit let me put a little bit more pixie dust on it and, right uh, fucking was great it was right. banger man all right most hated oh, come on. oh there's let's do it there's some options here all right, so i'm gonna I, get, I, get this out of the way <laughs> refugee was top of the list of my most hated that's why i had such a visual reaction to your song so i didn't mean to step on but because of the song or because of the use of the word refugee the whole thing the whole thing the, all right the whole, the whole thing i just don't like it i actually had the waiting on my list as well <laughs> Very Dylan sounding. The chorus doesn't work for me. It's like children's right. poetry. It does sound like a Dylan song. Very Dylan. Yeah. And that's yeah. one of my complaints about Tom Petty is he tries to emulate Dylan's singing. And I don't like Dylan's singing. I like Dylan's writing a lot. Sure. But Dylan's a shit vocalist. Oh, it's Dylan. Everybody <laughs> must get. And, and that's, how, that's how a lot of Tom Petty songs sound. And this one kind of exemplified that to me. And isn't it funny that the song that they wrote doesn't sound anything like what Dylan would sing or write or right, Tom would right. sing or write. Isn't yeah. that weird? Yeah. But yeah, add Dylan onto our set list of fucking dog shit <laughs> American performers. <laughs> well, we're going to catch flag for that one, <laughs> yeah. but, the, but I'm okay with that. The Dylan heads when they figure out how to find <laughs> You <Reddit>. what? <laughs> I'm sitting underneath my pork pie hat and I can tell you, sir. <laughs> if we get enough listens on a track, we can see where people cut out. <laughs> I have a feeling that might be a part. Put down my catcher in the rye for the 9,000th time and give them a piece of my mind. <laughs> it's not the first time they've heard that criticism of Dylan or it, any of those fucking it guys. It can't be. Can't be. So, I, you know, I had the waiting swimming around in there, but I think the one that swam to the top of the pool of the one I don't like is You Don't Know How It Feels. Well, let me get to the point. Let's roll another joint. 
harmonica yeah. the drums oh, you know, the wiggly guitar in the chorus again children's poetry it is the epitome of uninspiring simplicity yes and and so also uh into the great wide open i had that here as well <laughs> but I- she had a guitar and she taught him some chords this guy I love the video. Johnny Depp is at his, his <laughs> finest. Then. Yep, that was also on my list. <laughs> I have you're so bad. But not me, baby. I've got you to save me. Oh, you're so bad. Best thing I ever Holy shit. Best thing I ever oh my, had. Oh my God. <laughs> Could you please? And that, I think. My sister got lucky, married a yuppie. Yeah, so. I mean, like. <laughs> it's awful. And it's like, he's front in the mix. There's no music going on when he's like sprouting. Like, those lyrics needed to be listened to. Are right. you giving you. Uh, and I, he even spelled it Y E R. You're. Anything Wilburys, fuck off. Yes. The traveling Wilburys were awful. Everybody. How can you have all that talent in one room and fuck it up? And this is where George Harrison comes in. He should have known better. He's like, listen, guys, I've seen this before. A lot of talent in one room, uh, but the best voice wins. And we're going to do the best voice, which is mine, of course. I'm the most talented. But no, everybody's got to put their little dick in there. And fucking Orbison (laughs) finally grabs the mic last. Like, what? How did that happen? I don't understand. (laughs) I don't understand. What's your coolest four seconds? Well... Pickens are a little slim here. I love it. I like learning to fly, uh, the chorus of learning to fly. I do like that. It's it's kind of like uh it's a feel good. Uh-huh. I have in refugee. The bridge into the key solo, his voice is really raw as he sings You've Got to Feel to Be True. And here's where I'll forgive Tom for all of his sins. A true four seconds of really awesome recording. The very first four seconds of American Girl. the microphone and then the first strokes of the guitar that to me brings me instantly into fast times at ridgemont high oh does it yes so for me whenever i hear that song silence of the silence lambs. of the lambs right fast times because when they're 
um, wrapping the guy up as a mummy on the first day of school. Right. Like, that's the image that starts that whole that's right. part of the soundtrack. I didn't even think about that. And for me, that's pretty much my diary. That's much my eye, right? It's like everything that I've, I've ever, you know, aspired to was, was you know, Mike DeBone. <laughs> and I just, I, I, as soon as I hear that, you know, whenever I hear it, I'm like, that, that image rolls through my mind. It's really cool. But I know that it was also reborn in Silence of the Lambs, but that's a little too fucking dark for me. <laughs> Do you I, realize that those two dated Jane Gum and the woman that he was keeping captured? They dated on the In set, real life? In the, on the set in real life. <laughs> That's a I, fucked up date. That is fucked up. Yeah. I just watched that movie with my 17-year-old. We've been uh, going through old movies and, you know, movies from my youth and stuff like that. And we've... <laughs> the other night we just watched RoboCop. RoboCop's awesome. <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> Not pretty good. Fucking awesome. <laughs> Come on, Stan. Tiger's playing. Tonight. Yeah, he picks up the giant gun. I like it! <laughs> but yeah, we just... We watched Silence of the Lambs and... Yeah. And as, as that as she's singing that song and driving, you're like, American Girl. It yeah. just fits right there. Yeah. I can say Sisters of Mercy. And I can answer for both of us, I'm yeah. assuming. Done. Yeah, pretty good. Stop dragging my heart around outside of that. I don't need anything else. Yeah, I got jamming me. So we've talked about notable covers in the past, and I, I, there's got to be 10 million covers of Tom Petty. So instead... He's been clipped a few times of people taking things from him, which isn't hard to do because his stuff is so basic. Sure. But enough where further consequences have happened. One of them was The Strokes took inspiration for their song Last Last Night from Petty's American Girl Mm -hmm. and admitted it in an interview. Sam Smith pays royalties to Tom Petty and Jeff Lynn for his song Stay With Me because of the similarities to I Won't Back Down. That's a big payday, too. It's a big payday. <laughs> Guess it's true, I'm not good at a one-night stand. Petty and Lynn have a 12.5% ASCAP credit for that song from Sam Smith. That song from Sam Smith's got to have, you know, been played a billion times on Spotify. Yeah. Look. But Petty is kind of like, hey man, this happens in music. And this is, and so I'll get to that. Yeah. This next one here is kind of interesting. So. The Chili Peppers recorded Danny California. A couple of Denver DJs said, you Chili Peppers, you ripped off Mary Jane's Last Dance. Jane and Danny California were produced by Rick Rubin, 
there are similarities to the rhythm. There are similarities to the keys, you know, the keys that they're in and, and things of that. So after these DJs did this, somebody else came out and said, well, you know, Mary Jane's Last Dance sounds a hell of a lot like the song Waiting for the Sun by a band called the Jayhawks. was released one year prior to Mary Jane's Last Dance. And the Jayhawks opened for the Heartbreakers, and Ben Montench, who was the Heartbreakers keyboardist, played keys for both the Heartbreakers and for the Jayhawks on both of those songs. And I'll tell you what, that Jayhawks song is a hell of a lot closer to the Tom Petty song than the Chili Peppers one. And I think that's why Petty has basically said in the past, like, this thing happened, they have some music. And, and that's exactly what he said. He said, all of my years, this is a quote, all of my years of songwriting have shown me these things can happen. Mm-hmm. Especially with his music. Yeah, he's right, right. <laughs> right? D-A-G. That's pretty, yeah. you know, the chord progression is, is uh, pretty common. Yeah, you don't, you don't accidentally write La Vila Strangiato by Rush. <laughs> I'll give him that. <laughs> Tom Petty stuff, you're right, three chord songs. The AOC or AOR kind of model of, you and know. I think that that's not Tom Petty's sitting back and saying, go after those guys. It's his, it's his management company. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. listen, you have a brand, you have a product, you have to protect it. And he probably is like, I don't really give a shit. And they're like, well, we do because you pay us. Right, right. So, and, you know, that's how that. Yeah, you're taking money out of our pocket if you don't agree to yeah, go exactly. after these like, guys. We have to give you our worth and we're going to go after Sam <laughs> right. Smith and, you know, get paid a fucking uh, shitload. Oh, they must have made a fortune off of that. So. Who's the MVP here? I went with Heartland Music. Yeah. That bullshit Americana. The big river <laughs> of, you know. Of, of sameness. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, it's the trunk of the tree of American music. Blues flows into it. Jazz flows into it. Bluegrass. All these things. And like American music, rock music kind of sits in the big center of the trunk. Yeah, we're not talking about the xylem and phloem here. We're talking about the the core of the tree. Right, exactly. And then all those bands that we have on our magical set list are kind of sitting in the middle just, you know, cashing in on the... Cashing in big time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and then you have the branches that, like, the princes and the the, uh, Billy Corrigans that kind of reach out and they're like, oh, shit, okay, this is what we can do. This is possible. Right. These guys never, you know, whether they weren't inspired to or didn't have the talent to or just never had the ideas to branch out, they're like, these are good songs, and people like to sing to them. That's right. Okay, I'm good. So I like that. Just the simple palette of American music. Yes, <laughs> yes. This is the burger. And, this is the burger and fries yeah. of music. Yeah, a lot of browns, some yellows, <laughs> not too many oranges. No, and certainly no ochre. <laughs> All right, how do you rank these guys? Uh, yeah. Well, listen. Um, what do we got here? So the coolness factor. Would you want to be Tom Petty? No. <laughs> I don't want to look like him. I don't want to sound like him. I smoked like a fucking dragon, too. Did he? Oh, I saw a couple of interviews with him. Just one after the other, just powering through. Just blazing away. Hey, man, you know, that's not what took him. I got him down at a two. I, I had a two across the board for this. I got a two, three on talent. And uh, a two and a half on a catalog. It's a it's a it's a big catalog that a lot of people like. I just don't you know 
care for it. Yeah, <laughs> not that much. <laughs> but you know, he again, he's a he's a he's a mensch. He's a prescient dude. He, he's a very honest dude. He said in one of his interviews, he said, "When I was a young artist, I was shocked at the power of my words. That the power that my words had." I'm not for censorship, but I do think the artist has a moral responsibility for your lyrics, and they're going to learn the hard way that their words can be harmful. That's prescient. I agree. I yeah. I found him really likable. Yeah. Uh, there was a, an article I read that said MCA wanted to sell his 1981 album Hard Promises for a dollar more than what other albums were selling for, which was apparently about $8.98 at the time. And he pushed back and he was like, listen, fuckers, if you keep doing this, I'm going to call the album 898. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. You know, you're standing up for your fans, the people that are buying your music, and we're all going to make money at $8.98. You want to boost a, an extra dollar of profit off of each unit just to be dicks and pad your pockets. Screw you. I'm going to call the album 898. When people ask me, why'd you call it 898? I'm going to tell them, and you're going to look like an asshole. Right, you have to explain it to him. No, he was a real motherfucker like that because, you know, he had said, he's like, he hated the greed heads in the business. They were ruining this business for the artists. Some of the artists are becoming greed heads, and he didn't really like that. And he's like, he's like, you just, you got to care about the people that you're in this business with. And he specifically named those people as the fans. Now, everybody who's an artist says, oh, the fans are what I'm out here for, but they don't really act that way. Tom Petty kind of put his money where his mouth was. I agree. I would agree with that. All right. Well, thank you for uh, allowing us to dump on Tom Petty for an hour. It's all good fun. <laughs> if you haven't yet, hey, drop us a review, drop us a rating. We appreciate it. We read them all. And uh, we'll be back to you again here in about a month. We've gotten a couple more requests, and we're going to consider those and we'll consider future ones that come in so if you want to hear us talk about something let us know all right well thank you for listening 